I'm here to paint a like realistic picture of what it looks like. It's a hot mess is what I'm going to say. It's a hot mess. It's a hot mess because it's not, it's not this beautiful linear ruler straight line that you want it to be on a daily basis. I know even for myself, on a daily basis, you can be like literally on top of the world at nine o'clock in the morning. Like, Oh my goodness. I love my life. It's so good. Amazing. And then the next hour, you can literally fall through the floor and you're like, oh my God, what am I doing? This week's episode is sponsored by SheHub.tv. Log on to www.SheHub.tv for engaging content dedicated to women. Also check out their quarterly magazine available in print and both app stores. SheHub TV for the fearless female. You are listening to Choosing Her Hustle with your host, Letitia Francis. This is a podcast for Black women looking to turn their side hustles full time. Each week, I'm going to bring you interviews from women who have successfully transitioned from side hustler to full time entrepreneur. They will be sharing their journeys the good, the bad, the ugly, as well as the lessons learned along the way in hopes to inspire you to choose your hustle. Let's get this conversation started. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Choosing Her Hustle. If you hear a little croak in my voice, it is because it is 6.30, because the guest, 6.30 a.m., I must say, the guest that I am interviewing today is coming to us all the way from Australia, and I am super excited about this conversation, okay? Like, I always have a conversation before we press record and she has gotten me so energized this morning that I cannot wait to bring this conversation to you. So guest, introduce yourself. (laughs) Thank you. And I must say it is like 5.40 p.m. in the afternoon here, the next, pretty much the same day. (laughs) So so we've got a big time difference. Yes, my name is Janet Kafadar and I am... Uh, I'm a business coach for um, life coaches, for black life coaches who are looking to kiss their nine to five jobs goodbye. And I am a Londoner living in Australia. I've been here for mm, almost 13 years now. <laughs> so I am, I'm, uh, no, been here for the longest time, but I've had my business for about eight years and it's had many evolutions, twists and turns along the way, but, but really serving life coaches who are really at that point with like, no more. I'm ready to get this coaching business going. I'm sick of myself. I want to get going. Help me. (laughs) Those are my people. (laughs) (laughs) See, and I love it. And I love that your focus is leaving that nine to five because this is what this conversation is about. We tend to settle into roles and then put our dreams on the side. So I'm curious, how did you get started? Yeah. I started out when my son, who is now turning 10 next week, and it was it was like I had him and there was this like turning point that kind of made me realize, like, wait a minute. And I remember sitting on my desk after I'd returned back from maternity leave, sitting there daydreaming, looking out the window and thinking, is this it? <laughs> like, <laughs> this is a joke. Someone seemed to have robbed me right now. Like someone was telling straight up lies. 
because I just thought to myself, like, I've had a baby. I'm married. Bought myself a house. Right. What next? Is this it? This cannot be my reality. What, for the rest of my life? Like, working here, like, just doing this thing. This is not, this is not okay. (laughs) This is not, this is not right. And literally just went on a a bit of a journey, kind of stop, start, stop, start. Originally started out as a VA. That didn't work out. Having a baby and having a baby business as well at the same time, trying to do that work with clients in Canada. And like, I was up all night, crazy hours of the day, just wasn't working out. And I completely burned myself out as well. I had to go to a, um, what they call it? A, they have a sleep school here for moms with new babies. And so I had to go there to kind of figure out, oh, how do I get my baby to sleep? <laughs> so it was just, it was a hot mess is basically what I can say about that. But I really did. I stuck with it because I knew that there was something more. I didn't know what it was. I didn't, I wasn't, you know, with some people, I kind of what my purpose was. Like I had no idea. All I knew was that I just couldn't stay at my job for the rest of my life. I had to figure out a way. I was like, I'm smart. I can do this. Like, <laughs> like I'm, I can figure it out. Anyway, kind of going forward a few more years, I um, started out creating, I had created an agency whilst I was working my nine to five at the time, um, helping people create online courses and training programs and all of that stuff. And I really lent on the skills that I had before. I used to work for a management consultancy where we used to do that. We created full-blown training programs for secretaries, deputy secretaries, you know, for big government departments here in Canberra. And so I just thought, well, I know how to do that. And I know that there's a whole market out there of people looking to create courses. Now, I don't know if this is still the same. I can't, I can't, I don't keep my eye on that stuff, um, keep an eye on that very often, but kind of the whole passive income thing, creating courses and training programs and all of that stuff. I knew that there was people that just didn't know what to do. And like eight years ago, the technology was way different than it is now so it was really about that kind of stuff but also helping them really figure out what the curriculum was and that business literally was my was my exit out of my job it just literally springboarded from there and allowed me to you know start bringing in clients working with them I left my job and then was able to keep going and it worked really really well it was amazing until I got bored (laughs) I was like this is boring if someone talks to me again about a course, I'm going to freaking chuck my computer out the window. Like it was just, I was like over, I had a team, had, you know, 50 something plus clients, but I was just not into it. Anyway, fast forward a little more. And uh, my husband had to go, finished up his job. He had to return, um, had to stay at home to be able to uh, look after our kids because he had some surgery. And I was like, well, I'll go back in for a little bit just to, escape this, you know, having some sort of business existential crisis. Like, what am I going to do with my life? (laughs) You know, that kind of thing. And then in the end, I thought, well, I'll just take, it's a good time to just take a deep dive and look at actually who is in my community. Cause I'd been so for a good number of years, three, four years, like just on it, right. Just working with clients, doing all that stuff, doing what I should be doing. And I thought, well, let me actually just take a look and see who's on my email list. And I actually just said, Hey, who are you? Like, I don't, I honestly don't know anything about you. Like, how did you find me? All of that stuff. And what I found was, which was so interesting, is that they were mostly black women and they were all looking to start a coaching business. They were following me thinking that they needed to create an online course to be able to get their coaching business started. And I was like, well, no, that's not what you need. <laughs> like, absolutely not. 
And that's pretty much how my coaching business was born. I love it. I love the fact that (laughs) (laughs) you said, you know, you had your son. Yes. And um, things kind of fell into perspective for you. Like this cannot be it. The exact same thing happened with me. I had two babies back to back. So I was literally Mm. off for 18 months of a 36 month period. And having that much time away from work Mm. puts a lot of things in perspective for you. Like, do I want to go back to that hustle and grind? Do I want to go back to that stress? Do I want? No, the answer was no. But I had to figure out what that looked like. And for me, I didn't know. It wasn't until I had people in a very short period of time tell me, I wish I could pay you to talk to you. Like you just, you, I talk to you more than I talk to people that are close to me because I just feel so comfortable. And I sat back and I'm like, well, how can I make money (laughs) doing this? Right? I do it anyway. <laughs> let's let's make some money off of this. And because I had worked with a coach in previous years, I knew how transformational that coaching relationship was. Yeah. It actually changed my life. It was the reason why I was in England, you mm. know. So that's how my business began. And things similar to you evolved. My I now focus on black coaches as well. And mm. it was as a result of having a look at my audience. Who is coming to me? And why are they coming to me? You yes. know what I mean? Like when I was exactly. doing my life coaching, yep. initially people were coming to me. I need to work through my fears and anxiety around starting business. So then my business evolved. So now I'm focusing on business and everyone that's coming to me are coaches. So my business evolved again. And, you know, a lot of listeners may have hesitations about getting started because they believe like I got to get it right the first time. If I start a business, I absolutely need to know what that looks like. Mm. Yeah, that is an illusion. Most Mm -hmm. people that I talk to who are successful, who are making six figures, they absolutely did not start off doing what they are doing now that is making their money. Mm-hmm. So the ability to be flexible and open, yep. open-minded yeah. is very important in business. So, so important. Absolutely. 100%. So let's mm. talk about what this journey has looked like for you, right? I love focusing on the journey, because that is where we get so much information as listeners. A lot of Mm. us have this preconceived notion of what business ownership looks like, what entrepreneurship looks like. And I want to share the truth. The good, the bad, the ugly, Mm -hmm. but also the lessons. So let's hear this journey of yours, Janet. (laughs) Wow. Where do I start? (laughs) I'm all about sharing the truth. I have a podcast myself that's called The Truth About Coaching Show. <laughs> so, you know, like I'm here to paint a like realistic picture of what it looks like. It's a hot mess is what I'm going to say. It's a hot mess. It's a hot mess because it's not it's not this beautiful, linear, ruler straight line that you want it to be on a daily basis. I know even for myself, on a daily basis, you can be like literally on top of the world at nine o'clock in the morning, like, Oh my goodness, I love my life. It's so good. Amazing. 
And then the next hour, you can literally fall through the floor and you're like, oh my God, what am I doing? Uh, what? I just don't know. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> and I share that openly because that happens all the time, <laughs> at least, at least four times a day. <laughs> so like it's not she said four not, times a day. <laughs> I'm not joking. Like yeah, but she's painting a real picture. Like the emotional roller coaster within 20 minutes is real sometimes, mm. right? It's so real, so real. You can have an amazing email or something from, or like a win from a client or something like, like you can literally touch the sky. And then the next hour, 20 minutes later, you're like, fuck it. Sorry, excuse my language and chuck it all out. I'm so, I'm sorry over this business. You know, like it's, it's real. It's so real. And you know, the, you know, the, the highs completely outweigh the lows. But the thing that I always have to, and I've always come back to and always tried to stick with and remember is that, especially with the work that I do, it's that it's not about me. It really isn't about me, you know? And I think that's what so many coaches, your listeners as well, need to remember that what you are feeling in that moment and, you know, is completely valid, 100%. But if we step away from that and you actually take like, uh, you know, zoom out for a second and you think about actually the person that needs to hear from you today or needs that message or that thing that you've been wanting to say for the longest time, but you haven't been able to think about them, how they are feeling, how they're showing up in their life, what is going on for them right now. And that always is the, is the, is the, the drawstring that pulls me forward. And I'm like, whoa, 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 okay. Reality check. It's not about me. My, my emotions, not that they're not valid, are just a completely irrelevant from the situation. I need to show up for that person, whether they find it now, whether they find it next year, whether they find it in three years time. I remember finding someone reached out to me recently, found a YouTube video of mine. Please no one go and find my old YouTube videos. I found a YouTube video of mine from like five years ago, which is how I built up my previous business five years ago. She's like, thank you for that video. That really helped me. And I was like, Five years ago, like it's so important to remember that, and especially how things are, how they are now, like someone can find you now, they can find you in 10 years time. And that will still ring true. And it will land for that person in a way that is, that you think it just won't even, you won't be able to comprehend. Maybe they needed that, you know? So sometimes it's just, you know, making sure that you pull yourself forward and you're not thinking selfishly about yourself. And, you know, oh my goodness, it's all about me. I don't want to do this stuff. Oh, stop thinking about yourself. You're completely irrelevant from the situation right now. Just show up for that person. Just think about that one person that needs you. Yes. Park <laughs> your ego. Your business has nothing to do with you. I say this all the time. Has nothing to do yes. with you. You exactly. reap the benefits of the success in your business, but you start a business to solve a problem for someone else. So when you get caught up in your ego, when you get caught up in all of that, it is stopping you from showing up for the person that needs you. Exactly. And that's something that I really had to work on as I built my business. Like I had to park the ego. Yes, I'm sitting here crying my eyes out, ugly cry, bah, ha, ha, like snap <laughs> coming out of my nose. But let's, like, let's keep it real. It still has nothing to do with me. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. Not in the slightest. Like you just got to remove yourself from, remove your ego, 
from your free yourself from the situation. Think mm-hmm. about that. I always think about, you know, there is one of my clients who um deals with people with loss, right? And they're grieving for the person that they've lost. That grief is literally cloaking them right now. And they may be thinking bad things, you know, want to end the life, end it here. Show up for that person. Literally go and rescue them right now because whatever you have to say will help them shift from whatever mental state that they're in at the moment. That's what's important, you know, and that's, you know, the work that you do is so valuable, so mm-hmm. valuable. And there may be a listener sitting here saying, well, I'm not a coach. So why do I need to park my ego? Listen, whether you have a product, business, service, business, whatever other kind of business there is, <laughs> yeah. you are still acting in service, right? Mm-hmm. Your products solve yes. a problem. Your services solve a problem. You are solving problems for people. You are acting in service. So yes, someone needs you to show up, even if yes. it means getting on your stories and faking a smile for a minute and writing a sentence. That sentence can change someone's life. When we step into entrepreneurships, we are guiding people to the solutions to the problems, right? That's right. That's right. I always say that we have, and no one really talks about this, but as let's say doctors, uh, people in the medical profession, also uh, teachers have a duty of care, right? A duty of care. And coaches also have a duty of care as well. Whether that's, you know, that is written into their like standard code of conduct. You have a duty of care to look after that patient to make sure they have the best medical advice, uh, direction, et cetera. If there's any form of neglection, it's a whole different conversation. But it's the same thing that applies with your coaching business. You have a duty of care to show up for that person, whatever that business is, right? It helps them solve a problem. Even if you're selling e-commerce products, you still have a duty of care to make sure that it delivers on what it says it will do for that person. It's the same thing. Yes, I love it. (laughs) Now, before we got started recording, listeners, you know, I am like hard up on this strong black woman narrative. Mm. And Jenna and I had like, we got deeper than I usually do in the pre-show because, you know, I always want to bring this out. But Jenna had told me that she had actually done a podcast about this and she talks about it all the time so we are gonna dig a little deeper into that Mm. because I know for a fact this narrative that we carry as black women is holding us back so Janet let's Mm. go there let's go let's go go. I'm ready (laughs) (laughs) always (laughs) as black women we tend to have this problem with asking for help Right. And I'm talked about it in this every episode, I swear. (laughs) But why does that hold us back, Janet? It's I think it comes down to a number, a number of factors. We're just not used to it. Just not used to literally raising our hand and saying, I need help. Because in some ways it will be seen as a sign of weakness that you're asking for help. Um, and that we always have to carry all the things, carry all the load, whether it's the family, whether it's, <clears throat> uh, you know, things that are happening, immediate family, extended family, et cetera. And you've got to carry it on. And then inside you're internally crumbling from the weight of it all. Right. But scared to actually raise your hand and say, I need help 
or even just say, I'll put those boundaries in place. I had a past client that talked about this stuff, carrying the superwoman, uh, what she called it, superwoman syndrome, thinking that she needs to be the strong black woman for everyone until she had almost like a nervous breakdown. <laughs> and then she was like, boundaries, her, her best friend. <laughs> like that's what came up for her. But it really is, we're just not used to it. If I even look back at my my mum and probably even my grandmother, I wasn't around when my grandmother was alive, but that's she was a single mum with three kids living in Sierra Leone and was a, she was a, a market trader. So she carried everything from the emotional weight, right? <laughs> emotional weight of the family to, um, to everything. And, if I, and then I think my mum obviously inherited that and then I refuse. That's that's where it stops. <laughs> I'm not taking that on anymore. But it's just so generational that women, just black women, especially, like I've got to be strong for everyone. I've got to, I've got to just take it on board. This is so apparent, even in my business. I've noticed that I have a lot of fence sitters, and they know that because I've said it to them many times. I'm like, stop fence sitting. Stop worrying that you're. Stop uh, trying to think that you can do this on your own raise your hand and say that you need help, right? And I found that my conversion rates, I have to have twice as many um, leads come in for people to raise their hand because I talk specifically to Black Life Coaches. I run Facebook ads and I can see it in the metrics, right? My conversion rates only increase when I have twice as many people come in because there are so many ladies in my community that are so scared to raise their hand and say, I need help. So for me to make my numbers, I need to probably do 24 calls to be able to get my numbers right. And it's so interesting that that's, it's so like ingrained within us. I mean, I want to show up and just say, I need help. But we say to them like, just booking in a call. I'm not going to like bite you. <laughs> like it's just, you know, so, and so much tension and apprehension, even when they get on the call, like so scared. I'm like, just share with me. Just share, and that's hard. It's not, you know, like even when we grow up as kids, whatever happens stays inside the house. You know, say no, you don't say nothing to no one. That stays in here. Don't even think about sharing that. And that ingrained childhood belief has it like plays out into life, right? Other parts, other facets of your life, one hundred percent, absolutely. That. That need to be strong is our biggest weakness, right? And I remember when I just made the decision that I am just going to focus on Black women in my business. I had a mm-hmm. friend like, girl, that's suicide. You know what I'm going <laughs> to pay you, right? <laughs> like, you. Everything is free.com. Like, come on, like, don't do that to yourself. And I say, you know what, There, it, it will be a challenge. You've even said I need more said, needs yeah. in order for my conversions because I know who I'm dealing with but it doesn't Mm. change the fact that we as black women need the help we need to learn how to rewrite our money stories we need to address the trauma that we are carrying sometimes our granny's trauma right like mm-hmm. that's right. I'm gonna be so frank with you. I grew up, I went to private schools. My very first private school, it was not many black people. And that's I remember <laughs> I remember being like five or six, and my granny telling me, Don't you let them white people tell you what to do, right? Yeah, her trauma yes. was associated with what she had been through. So mm-hmm. she's very untrusting of white people. Yes. Yeah. As an impressionable five-year-old, 
it was almost like she gave me permission <laughs> to yes. get me into that studio and say, you can't tell me what to do, yeah. white people. Oh goodness, yeah. But yes. I mean, I can say this jokingly, but the reality is we carry so much trauma embedded mm-hmm. in the way that we show up and we don't even know where it comes from. You said it, you know, my mother was a market trader. She carried mm-hmm. all of this and the buck had to stop with me. And she probably learned it from mm-hmm. her mother. And yes, her mother learned it from her mother. Exactly. Generational traumas that passed on that we think is what makes us strong. Mm. No, it's keeping you stuck. (laughs) It's keeping you stuck. If you are starting businesses and you are more comfortable with going to YouTube University and Google Institution without investing in yourself and then turn around and want somebody to invest in you, that is a trauma response, okay? (laughs) Let's just keep it real. It's a trauma response. Exactly. Showing up, knowing that you're struggling, but you keep a smile on your face and I've got it all together, girl. That is a trauma response ladies yes it is learning how to be vulnerable and I'm sure listeners you've heard me to say this before I have reframed that to mean sexy then I'm vulnerable I'm sexy as hell yes but we need to rewrite the narratives that we are holding about our strength and our weakness and the fact that we have to figure it all out on our end. The Mm -hmm. biggest thing for me was being in a position where I could allow myself to be part of the group. I spoke with someone else about this and she was saying, you know, most of my life, I was the only black person. Right. Yep. In Same. white environments, I was successful. But what I had to learn was how to hold space for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Which was why communities were difficult for her because we are like lone wolves, right? Yeah. Like, listen, <laughs> it's just <laughs> <lame> wolves. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, if you understand a wolf pack, yeah. if you understand a wolf pack fully, Mm-hmm. There is never a lone wolf. Yes. There is a yes. perception that there is a lone wolf. Mm, mm. Yes. Yeah. But that lone exactly. wolf is the sculptor. Yeah. Yeah. Oftentimes the weakest mm-hmm. of the pack. Mm-hmm. The strength is in the pack. In the pack itself. Right. That's right. The strength 100%. is in the pack. So we we tend to hold on to these narratives, but even in nature, that lone wolf yeah. does not exist. Exactly. It doesn't. And I remember, and that's been the same for me as well. Like I went to school in, I grew up in London. I went to like the poshest school that you could find in anywhere, any uh, UK listeners, even from London, <laughs> I went to school in, in a Parsons Green and, um, and it was just me and two, three other black kids in the whole year out of 66 kids, right? 66 girls. And so it was just, it was just, it was just me. <laughs> it was just me always and always been the case. I didn't realize, and it wasn't even that it, I never thought about it. I never thought of it as an issue just what is what it is what it is but I found that when I invested in programs and I was I was always the other there was just me 
always. <laughs> but then I found one my biz bestie um found each other uh, probably three, four, five years ago, something like that. We're inside of a program. She lives in Melbourne. And we literally just like latched onto each other. <laughs> and she like she just gets me. Like it's just so cool. But and I've found in many situations that that's the case. And that's also the reason why I have my program as well for a space for my coaches to show up and be vulnerable. We have tears every single week. And I remember one, one of my clients um, saying she would just join. She's like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry that I'm crying. I was like, don't you ever apologize for crying in this space. Don't you ever apologize for that. That's not, you are allowed to be seen and to be vulnerable. Let us hold you virtually. Okay, obviously you can't, help, but let us hold you and let us support you. Because outside of your family and friends, you do not have anyone that's able to actually hold you, hold space for you. And she was just like, oh my goodness, I can't, <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. Um, and it's a real, and it's there's power in that, as you said, power in being part of a pack, power in sisterhood and community and knowing that you're even part of a community of ladies that are doing the same thing as you. You're not on your own, which is a lot very much. I know that a lot of my clients and even my community feel that. Like I didn't realize. I thought I was like the only one who wanted to start a life black coach that wants to start a life coaching business. I just don't see it. Just so they almost don't believe it, believe that it's possible, you know? So yeah, don't even know how we got there, but yeah. <laughs> It doesn't matter. <laughs> Listen, represent, representation is so important, which is why we are creating this space and sharing mm-hmm. these stories, right? There's nothing that you you said thus far that I am new to. Mm. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Right? And, and that's why this space is so important. A lot of times we walked on the road in the, during this entrepreneurship journey and really think that what we are experiencing is exclusive to us. No, boo, it's not. We are all going through that. We've all been sat at our computer, ugly crying, it's not coming yeah. out of our nose, like literally ready to throw it all away, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But that's why these conversations are so important because I want you to see that despite all of the ugliness, there mm-hmm. is still something so beautiful about owning your own business and being... Yes being powerful enough to make it in money. Like don't take it for granted that you've had a great job your whole life. Yes. Listen, I, I salute that. I salute it. Amazing. (laughs) Right. But how much more rewarding would it be to be making that kind of money and more (laughs) for yourself? You get to write the rules. Exactly. You get to write the rules for yourself. And I think that's, and I think when you're in, when you have been doing it for so long and you have been, you know, an employee for the longest time, you actually don't know what, you've never been in a position where you're actually, you get to make the decisions. Maybe you're in a leadership role, maybe not, maybe you've managed a team, except whatever it is, right? There's never, if you think about it, never been a situation in your life where you are solely in control of what happens. Not, not your kids or even your husband or partner or whatever it is, the only space in your time in your life where you are completely responsible for what happens. And that's like, if you think about it, like a holy shit, (laughs) mind-blowing experience, right? Even when you've been at work, someone's told you what to do. There's been an agenda. There's been a director. There's a strategy you've got to follow or a project, whatever it is. And this time it's solely yours. 
and you make the decisions. You make all the decisions. And that's like, for some people, can't handle it. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. It's not for everyone. But for the ones that are like, oh, I'm ready. <laughs> they would just like leap. <laughs> yeah. And that is beautiful because I don't know if I mentioned it or, or before we started recording, but, you know, I was a manager. Mm-hmm. Same. I was a manager for a long time and I worked very hard. I built two business units by myself mm-hmm. for this company. Yeah. But guess what? I still couldn't make decisions. Yeah. I yeah. couldn't. I was exactly at every step, even so. if it meant that I had to go back and clean up the mess. Yeah. Right. I was vetoed. Like mm-hmm. my manager would not let me make decisions. Matter mm-hmm. of fact, he ignored my recommendations. And time after time, I then had to clean this shit up that hit mm-hmm. me saying. Right. Yeah. If you are in a position where you're out here bossing it <laughs> for someone else's <laughs> dreams, yes. frustrated, high yeah. blood pressure, can't sleep at night. Exactly. Anxiety. Yeah. yeah. Early gray. Oh, yeah. because of somebody else's <laughs> dreams. Mm-hmm. This, trust me when I tell you, you can do it for yourself. Exactly. And I know the narrative is, oh, I have security here. Oh, you know, I can stay here until I go 65 and I get a pension (sighs) or 67, whatever pension is in your country, right? The reality is you are not secure. You're not. The narrative that we are told is that we get a good education. We get a good job. Mm -hmm. We go into that good job. We put our heads on. We shut up. We put up and whatever else. But guess what? At any given moment, without any warning, oh yeah, they could say, you know what, boo, we don't need you anymore. Yeah, toss and that security that, exactly. that you have, <laughs> <laughs> it's, okay, no. it's like what security? Yeah, you know, like oh no, sorry, the whole strategy's changed. We're having a restructure. restructure. How many times have we, we're having a restructure? So no, so suddenly your job is no longer required. Uh, what I've been here twenty five years. You know that kind of thing. So then, so, so, so what? Like it's, I remember even at my uh, past role that I was in, I was a director, project program director. And so I, we, I had a huge project that I was working on, huge budget, had a team working with me, had to develop these educational resources for, um, for health professionals in the diabetes space. It's a huge project. Loved it. I actually really enjoyed it. But if anyone's worked with government before, oh my goodness, look at just, it was so hard. Sign-offs and approvals and actually getting people to pay attention and to listen to what I had to say every step of the way, like door shut. No, sorry, can't take a look at this now, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, man, it's not about you. <laughs> the project is about the people that need it. And same thing I say, it's not about you and their egos and like, you know, they haven't gone through the right chain of command to get that. I just want to talk to someone. I'll pick up the phone. I'll talk to the de- de- uh, deputy secretary. And they're like, oh, you shouldn't be talking to me. I'm like, I need you to sign off on it. <laughs> like, that's all I need. I need you to say yes or no. So I'm skipping five people because I need to speak to you. And then I'll get told off for it. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I can't deal with this. This is exhausting. <laughs> so- it is. <laughs> Put that energy into yourself, dude. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, Janet, tell us the biggest lesson that you've learned along this journey. The biggest lesson. Stick with it. Mm. Stick with it. There's, there's a reason. 
even when I tried to think, oh, I'm just going to, I'll go back and find a job. And, you know, even when I closed down my previous business, it's like, I'll just go and find a job. Be good. I'm just going to forget about it. and just going to put it to the back of my mind. I couldn't. It was like a, like a constant tap on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Like even when I tried to ignore it, I closed down all every account that I had unsubscribed from everything, like didn't pay for any software, nothing. It was just like a constant tap. I was like, okay, okay. I kept ignoring it, ignored it for months. But the, I think the biggest lesson was just to keep going. There's, there's a reason, there's a reason. I w- never in my wildest dreams would I thought that this would be the work that I'd be doing when I first started, what, 10 years ago. No way. It didn't even like cross my mind. So the point is to keep going. What you're supposed to be doing will manifest and it will show up in some way. But your goal is just to keep going, even when it's hard, even when it's rough, even when you're like, I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not making any money. It's not working. All of the things. There's a reason. Go, go ignore it because it will come back and you'll know. <laughs> that, it's, that I have to take some sort of move forward. So don't like, I think we get very caught up in the how and want it all laid out and all the steps and it has to be clear and that's the plan. But that's, as I said at the beginning, it's not how it is. It's a complete up and down roller coaster. And the strong ones are the ones that stick with it regardless mm-hmm. because they know that the work they're meant to do is bigger than them. Mm-hmm. The how is not important and I love that you said that because I often tell my clients that you know if you know that every step or action that you're taking in your business is a needle moving activity whether or not it produces the results that you Mm -hmm. are looking for eventually those results will come because you are doing everything that you need to do to yes so the seeds that will reap the harvest that you desire exactly. in the future. Exactly. But focusing on the how is very much like going to a Michelin star restaurant, sitting down, ordering their seven course taste of menu. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then going in the kitchen and micromanaging the chef, right? <laughs> My husband's a chef. He would love it if he heard that one. <laughs> but that's what you're doing when you're focusing exactly. on the whole. Sit down, enjoy your seven course meal, yeah. and trust that you will get everything that is meant to be on to your be. plate. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. If your belief is has to be has to be strong. Mm-hmm. Your belief has to be strong. Belief in yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's not just, I believe in myself. I'm amazing. Yeah, go. You're amazing. I know, (laughs) but you have to, you have to like with every fiber cell in your being that this is what I'm meant to be doing. I I know that I can, like, there's no ifs, buts, maybes. I'm not sure. No, it's like, I will make this work. Watch me. (laughs) It's that kind of thing. Right. There's no, like the hesitation will literally make you crumble to the floor. Don't believe me, just watch. I like I, I always say that. Like earlier this year, I said the rooms that I am about to walk in, yo, are huge. The tables exactly. I'm about to sit in are enormous. Don't believe exactly. me. 
just watch. Watch, watch. And that is what this is all about. Having that rock solid belief in yourself. If you Mm -hmm. can build somebody else's dreams, you can build your own boo and you can do it spectacularly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Amen. Janet. How can we find you online? Of course, you can find me. You can find my podcast, <laughs> The Truth About Coaching podcast, um, on all of the players. But you can also go to um, Janet Kafadar, K A F A D A R dot com, and you can find the podcast there. It's pretty much where I like to hang out. I also have a Facebook group as well, the Online Coaching Club for Black Life Coaches. You can come and find me there. But yeah, literally wherever you. <laughs> Wherever you find me, type in my name, you'll find me. <laughs> Janet Kafada. That's it. Yes. Make sure you reach out to her. So, Janet, do you have any final words before we wrap up this episode? Ah, final words. I think that as I, I just kind of piggybacking off what I said uh, before, just keep going. Just keep going. Even when it's rough. Doesn't matter how long it's going to take you. Doesn't matter that that's wrapped up in the how, right? Doesn't matter. Just keep going. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Just keep trying to do what you can because it will pay off. It will. It has to. What's the alternative? That it doesn't. That's not. That's not an option. It will work out. You heard it here, guys. I mean, listeners. <laughs> Just <laughs> keep going. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today, Janet. I really enjoyed this conversation. I almost forgot the time. <laughs> So that's, that's a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> that's a miracle. I'm, I'm, I'm energized from this conversation. I know. We're going to spring to breakfast uh, for the kids. Like, hey, everyone. I know. Everybody's going to be looking at me like a weird, okay? <laughs> Usually the happiness don't kick in until 12 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, I want to remind you to walk as if every step you take is about to create an avalanche because boo you are here to change the world i'll see you next week thank you for listening to choosing her hustle if you enjoyed this episode be sure to press the subscribe button if you want to join in the conversation follow me on instagram at choosing her hustle podcast where I'll be going live every Thursday to dig a little deeper into this week's episode. So make sure you bring your questions and comments and join our amazing community. If you want to support us, share, 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 and make sure to leave us a rating and review. See you next week.